Thank you for joining me today. If you enjoyed today's show, be sure to subscribe. We definitely will learn, laugh, and sometimes cry together on this healing journey. And you won't want to miss an episode. Give my podcast five stars, share it with a friend or colleague. If you felt an impact as it truly helps get the word out and breaking the paradigm of how we do trauma work. I look forward to seeing you back here next week. Until then, this is your host, Dr. Amy, sending you lots of love. Welcome to this episode of the Biology of Trauma podcast. I am your host, Dr. Amy, and in this episode... I want to take you into a live masterclass that I taught. This was a masterclass I taught on attachment for my biology of trauma professionals in training. Attachment is such an important topic. And I want to share a specific important topic from this masterclass. And that is specifically looking at the range of zero to six months of life. There's so much that's happening in those first six months of life. And what are the attachment adaptations that can occur when we have gaps or injuries in those first six months of life. Now, attachment and neurodevelopment is one of the topics that people ask me about the most. And it's because relationships, relationships connect to the core of our heart. And in fact, studies show that the quality of our relationships, get this, the quality of our relationships is the number one determining factor for the quality of our lives. Yet, Attachment is so much more than just relationships. There is a whole biology of attachment that includes the development of our nervous system through movement and neurodevelopment. The biology and neurodevelopment piece is not usually brought into the conversation around attachment and relationships, but it needs to be because there can be early childhood gaps and injuries that can happen from the biology and neurodevelopment not just from the relationships in our early lives. This is why many people can actually have experienced attachment trauma and not know it because they're only looking at the relationship factor in their early life and not at the biology and neurodevelopment piece of attachment. Ah, this is so important. It's time to have a different conversation around attachment and we are going to start that conversation here. And I do say start because the biology of attachment is a huge topic. And so I have pulled out this specific aspect of this topic and looking at the adaptations that come from the first six months of life. In fact, this is such a huge topic that in my biology of trauma certificate training for professionals, attachment and neurodevelopment is an entire six week module. This is a journey that I open up for the general public as well after they take the foundational course, the 21-day journey, of course, because they need to have the basic skills to handle the advanced somatic and parts work and the didactic work that we do on this journey. So what I want to share with you, and we'll focus in on this podcast episode, are the attachment adaptations that come from the zero to six months of our life and how they show up in our life today. So I've broken this episode into three sections. Section one is moving beyond attachment styles to understand attachment wiring. Section two, the three components of attachment wiring. That is a short section leading to the longer section of three, which is adaptations that occur from zero to six months of life and how they show up in one's life today. Let's get started. We're going to get started with section one on moving beyond attachment styles to understand attachment wiring. 
Have you ever been asked, what is your attachment style? Do you know what your attachment style is? <laughs> yeah. So this is something that can be a common question. And it just has this attachment, right? Attachment to the question of, well, then this is what that means. This means that you are always this in relationships. And we are going to completely turn that upside down today. So I hope you're ready. But the group, the people who really started this were John Bowlby, of course, and Mary Ainsworth. And they are the originators really of the four different attachment styles. But again, we are going to be going so much deeper than that. But what I'm going to be presenting to you is the end result of this integrated framework of all of this, the neurobiology, the serotonin, the dopamine, the oxytocin, the attachment styles, the brain development, relationships, attunement, regulation, polyvagal theory, biology, like I have had to piece all of this together myself in order to help myself, in order to help my son, in order to be able to help all the people coming to me now. And so this is the, the framework that I have had to construct in order to know how to help people when I see attachment patterns in their nervous system. I am not going to have the time to go over in detail. I am going to have to skim the surface. And so what I've done for you is I have said, all right, you guys, rather than teaching you how to get there. I'm just going to jump to the end. I'm going to show you the end result so that you can recognize if you have had any of these gaps or injuries and at what stage, and then you will be able to know if you have work to do. As we go into the second section of the episode on the three main components of attachment, any guesses what those are? What would be the three things that come together to create one's attachment style? What actually makes up one's attachment and how are we defining attachment? Laura is one of the professionals who's going through the biology of trauma certificate training and is a health coach and is now also getting trained in somatic experiencing. She has wonderful parents. Her father is a physician and she thought that she was going down that path as well. But early on in her adult life, she was diagnosed with an autoimmune condition which if you know from what I teach is a condition strongly associated with the trauma response. Like many, maybe like some of you, she had experienced overwhelm in her early life and had not known it. And yet her body had recorded those memories. And she not only was living in a chronic functional freeze and trauma response, but had a very reactive or what we call dysregulated nervous system as a result from her early life experiences of overwhelm. She noticed her system, her nervous system was very reactive. In fact, this reactivity is actually what drove her biology of trauma into autoimmunity for years before it finally surfaced into symptoms that she recognized and that got her into the doctor's office. When you come to take the 21 day journey with me, you actually may get to meet Laura because she is also a mentor who will lead a breakout group and that day's somatic exercise. And you can also hear her story on the Biology of Trauma podcast episode number 10, which is titled, What Role Did Addressing Unresolved Emotions Play in Helping Someone, Laura, with Progressive Multiple Sclerosis? This was actually part three with Dr. Ariel Schwartz. Now, what are those three components that make attachment? We will look at that, and I'm also going to teach you a definition of attachment. The three components, neurodevelopment, plus biology, plus the relationship, those three things. 
So many people forget the neurodevelopment piece. So many people forget the biology piece. And yet all of those together, this is what is going to lead to, and here's the definition of attachment, the degree of internal regulation of our nervous system. Your felt sense of safety in the world, your felt sense of security, your felt sense of being able to connect with other people. All of that, all of that comes from these three things, neurodevelopment, plus the relationship, plus the biology. That all together becomes your degree of internal regulation coming out of childhood. All right. All right. So what's the point of that though? The point is that this is your attachment and attachment becomes your pattern in all relationships for the rest of your life. That's the point. Attachment becomes the pattern for all relationships in your life. And it boils down to this. It is the degree of internal regulation that you have or don't have. Regulation. Are you familiar with that word? It is a common word in the somatic field of trauma therapy and becoming more commonly used in the functional medicine space. At least I'm using it a lot in my talks. Regulation refers to the health and flexibility of our reactions to life. Our nervous system is constantly responding to our environment. And as it relates to attachment to our relationships, (laughs) is it overreacting? Is it underreacting? Either one of those patterns is not ideal and is termed dysregulation. We want regulation. When we are regulated, we are calm and yet very alive. We have a healthy stress response and we respond appropriately to life as it happens. Not too much, not too little, but just right. When one has attachment trauma patterns, gaps or injuries that would have affected our neurodevelopment, the relationship, our biology, it always results in internal dysregulation. And that means that you will have this sense of, I don't feel safe in the world. I don't feel safe in intimacy with another. I either react too much and push them away or I react too little and let them walk over me. Internal dysregulation when we are young, especially looking at this age of zero to six months of life, will always result in adaptations to that internal dysregulation. And we can recognize these adaptations. That's where, that's what I want to teach you in this episode. We know what they are and they stay with us so that we can see how they show up in our life today and know that, oh, I, I have adaptations that come from having experienced overwhelm between zero to six months of life. It's our way of being able to read our body and have the body tell us its story that the mind cannot remember. With that, let's go into this third and last section of this episode on the adaptations that occur from zero to six months of life and how they show up in one's life. I'm going to highlight the first stage that happens between zero and six months. And again, a lot of this may start to land for you and you may get triggered. So that's why I've got weighted blankets. I've got pillows. I've got an acupressure mat on my feet right now. Support your body in order for us to be able to get through this and for you to be able to stay present to the best degree possible. Knowing that some dissociation is probably going to be normal for many of your nervous systems. Medulla and spinal cord develop first. And what is that? When a baby is born, it literally only has the ability to 
cry in order to communicate, hey, I'm in distress. It has a grasp reflex, which means that it cannot let go. So when you touch it and it and the baby holds on to you, it's actually not because they love you so much. Wouldn't that be nice? It's actually because they cannot let go. They have a grasp reflex. And so all of these reflexes are, we, we see them start to move through them as they develop. And when there are gaps in development, either on the relationship piece or the neurodevelopment piece, some of these reflexes may still be retained in the nervous system. And people may have a hard time letting go of things. They may have a hyper startle reflex still. And so these are easy ways to identify, ooh, you know what? At that stage of neurodevelopment, something happened that caused an injury or a gap in neurodevelopment that led to this still being a pattern in the nervous system today as an adult. What about the pawns? So the pawns is something that we actually see quite a lot of as in terms of gaps and injuries at this level. This is after the medulla and spinal cord. So we're now moving into one to five months of life that uh, this aspect of the brain stem is being developed. And this is all being developed while babies are on their tummy. And they have these sensory experiences with starting to move their arms in space. They can't move their body yet, really. Uh, even though pawns level, they do start to be able to scoot themselves on their belly. So a lot of stuff here. And again, I so wish that I had more time to go into that. But understanding what is neurodevelopment at this age, it's tummy time. At least 30% of the time needs to be on their tummy. As soon as they are five pounds and they can retain their own heat, they need to be spending time on their tummy in order to get this proper neurodevelopment of the chest opening up, the spine arching out, the horizontal eye movement. If they don't, they have reading problems later. Not only reading problems, but they're going to have problems feeling safe in their body. They're going to have problems with knowing where their body is in space. It's so fascinating to see how these things that, that we think are just, ah, um, not important actually are crucial to proper neurodevelopment and attachment. Cause remember a neurodevelopment plus the relationship, plus the biology, all of that together turns into our attachment. So it's the movement and sensory combined that creates safety and regulation. Wait, we just said that attachment is your regulation. Exactly. Neurodevelopment helps become your attachment. So good questions to go back and ask are, Hey mom, tell me about my early life. Tell me about, you know, was I in, was I in, in baby equipment or, or was I on my tummy or was that the, the time in which they were telling everybody not to put their babies on their tummy? And so I didn't get any tummy time. There are all these things that we start to be able to be curious about that will inform us and help us identify gaps or injuries. Let's briefly talk about the relationship piece, and then we're going to get real, you guys. The relationship piece leads to regulation through this way. Attunement. What is attunement? We're going to go over that in a second. A lot of this attunement comes out of Dr. Alan Shore with regulation and the right brain to right brain. But then attunement needs to then lead to the capacity for the relationship. So both systems, both mom, right? Mom, primary caregivers, and baby need to have the capacity to have that connection. If one or the other does not have the capacity, 
then you don't get the regulation. But if that happens, you get regulation and you get a secure attachment. If that doesn't happen, well, then we, we say that adaptations happen where the baby's nervous system adapts to the degree of regulation that it has. So what is attunement? Attunement is I see your nervous system state. There are three states of the nervous system. Those of you who have been through the 21-day journey are very familiar with those, 20, with those three states of your nervous system. Attunement is my ability to see in you your state. That not only takes practice, but that takes willingness, right? And this is almost where we start to get into capacity. Because if I am a person who has a pattern that tends to go into freeze response, I don't want to see your nervous system states, right? And so I'm going to actually turn away from that if I see anything other than parasympathetic because it might overwhelm my system. So we have to start to talk about capacity and is my system, does it have the capacity to meet you in that state? Or if I were to meet you in that state, would I lose myself and I'm not able to regulate myself? Which brings us to the next one regulation. So not only can I see your state and I'm able to meet you at that state, but I can also bring you back into a state of calm aliveness. That is this co-regulation that has to happen before self-regulation can happen later on. If that does not happen, adaptation has to happen. A baby will not survive if it continues to live in a dysregulated state. So it will adapt in order to have regulation at any cost. And we're gonna talk about those costs tonight. So an adaptation is the result of inadequate regulation. So here we go. Gaps and in injuries, the adaptations that would happen during the first zero to five months of life, really the zero to six months of life. Because a baby's nervous system is not fully developed yet, cannot regulate itself, it has to connect to someone and really primarily mom, it has to connect in order to survive. If that connection, if that neurodevelopment in any of this first zero to five months of life is off, then it's such a profound dysregulation that it starts the freeze response. And literally I would have to shut down my feeling of my body because there is so much dysregulation here, it feels like an abyss for a baby who lives in the very moment, doesn't know that it's going to be better in an hour or even five minutes. Right now, I feel like I'm going to die. And because I'm not getting enough of the connection that I need, I actually have to disconnect from my body in order to not feel that to stay alive. So there's this dorsal vagal, which is the freeze response. And it dominates over a high sympathetic, which is the high intensity. Oh my goodness, I'm going to die. Where's help? I have a need. We're going to, this is where the global high activation state comes into play for this adaptation. So literally their experience is, I will die or fall apart if I let myself feel. This experience continues on into adulthood, where that is the core fear. They feel like they never fit in. They're always on the outside, burden on the others. So this is what this looks like. 
they, as adults now, we are talking about as adults. So we're talking about you. And I would love for you to just start to see, you know, do you resonate with any of these? They like being non-emotional. They don't like to feel. They like being non-emotional. They feel shame about needing anything from anyone. They prefer to be in their heads and to think than to feel. And they actually create distance from others and mistake this for having boundaries. They withdraw from anything that just feels emotionally uncomfortable. It literally is just let go. I, I withdraw. Like I'm done. I'm done. They are seldom aware that they are out of touch with their bodies. They actually have no idea that they are out of touch with their bodies. They both fear being alone. And yet they fear being overwhelmed by someone else and their energy and their state because it takes so much to stay disconnected from their own. Let's go deeper, you guys. <laughs> and I want to make sure that you're, you know, like you're, you're supporting your system here. You're supporting your system. And this is only the zero to six months adaptations. Their breathing pattern is frozen. And you can actually look at them and, and you kind of have to look really closely like, are they breathing? Because their chest barely moves. Their diaphragm barely moves, which results in a lot of digestive issues because you need that diaphragm going into your abdomen in order to create healthy digestive system. And so their whole upper body is just kind of frozen and can be stiff and their, their breath is shallow. The symptoms and conditions that they have this comes from having such high dysregulation at such an early age, such an early age, migraines, difficulty focusing, colic, irritable bowel syndrome. I just explained why they have environmental sensitivities, asthma, depression, fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue, scoliosis. Did you know that scoliosis was associated with an adaptation from neurodevelopment and relationships. It's quite fascinating. Allergies, anxiety, and panic attacks. Now, here's a, just a little tidbit that I want to throw in here. And again, if you've been around my work, you'll recognize this. When you look at this list of symptoms, I hope that you see many traits of undermethylators. You're going to see many traits of copper excess here. This is where the biology piece starts to come in. And if a person has those epigenetics, it would have contributed to these adaptations happening at this early age of life. If a mother had high copper, she's now experiencing postpartum depression or anxiety because of the high copper. But now that high copper is in baby and it's experiencing those effects from high copper until it has the time that its genetics can hopefully clear out that high copper. And so it's having these symptoms. And again, this is not all the parents. This can be the biology of the child that because of the internal dysregulation caused from excess copper, it, they cannot connect. They cannot have that relationship piece. They cannot lay on their tummy to have tummy time. Many parents know how important it is. And yet they say, my, my child just cannot. They cry hysterically when I put them on their tummy. Yeah, because they probably have some biology issues going on that we could fix, that we could help identify. These people, especially because of this global high activation, 
state in their nervous system are the most prone to becoming dependent on pain pills or benzodiazepine medications that really just numb the body down. Remember, these, these people don't like to feel. And so anything that just numbs things down, their body, their nervous system will become so dependent and it, they will form a, an addiction quite easily when they start to take those prescribed medications that for some people can be safe, but not for them. Wow. Wow. <laughs> right. Like I'm looking at this and I'm just, and I'm just looking at, and this is just zero to six months of life. And look at how much this would be affecting someone in their adult life. This is how much the nervous system drives. And this was my son. This was 100% my son. So I adopted Miguel when he was, well, he came to me when he was four. He was a foster. He was my first foster child. Um, and I adopted him when he was five and this is all him, right? Like he had such a rough life. He actually broke his collarbone at age six months of life and had no medical care. So like imagine, right? Just imagine briefly the dysregulation that would have been happening in his body at that age when he had no ability to regulate himself that much pain and he had to numb it out. He had to just go into his brain. He had to go somewhere else, right? And sometimes people ask that question to, to people. It's like, hey, like, where do you go? I see you in meetings and I, and I see your mind drifting. Like, where do you go? Or I've seen, you know, with all the kids that I've worked with, I see this quite a lot in them too. And sometimes that's what I will, I will ask them. Like, where do you go? I know your body's here, but where do you go? We're going to talk about that in just a second. So I had no preparation for knowing what he needed. And I don't think that I'm alone in this, but what I thought that he needed, because I didn't know all of this that I know now, unfortunately, what I thought he needed was love, right? Because that's what we've been taught. We've been taught that, oh, you didn't have love. You didn't have safety. You didn't have security. So all you need now is love. You just need love and safety and security now. And what I had to find out is that while we would think that love should be enough, it actually is not. And it goes back to my original slide that I gave you guys. It's like, this is the big picture. It is not just the relationship piece. It is also neurodevelopment. It is also the biology. And we have to understand all of that if we're going to actually repair some of these gaps. So love is not enough, but I did not know that at the time. And once I started to learn all the pieces together, I started working with families. So actually back in 2011 was when I first started taking what I had learned, which is, it feels so small now compared to what I've learned since then, <laughs> but I wanted to uh, start helping other families, but I knew enough of the neurodevelopment that I knew that I needed to have them on the floor. And so at the family camps, we would have the kids on the floor doing tummy time. We would have them doing exercises that were regulating their nervous system and starting to bring in this neurodevelopment and eye contact, right? Like, I don't know if you guys know for, for people coming out with this adaptation, how extremely challenging holding eye contact is for them. Extremely uncomfortable. 
Because it's almost like, oh my goodness, you see me. If, if I let you look into my eyes for that long, I'm okay with brief, you know, but to hold someone's gaze, these people are extremely uncomfortable with that because they feel like people are looking into their soul and they can see what's underneath and can see and understand them at a level that they don't understand themselves. So we had to even practice eye contact. We had to practice eye contact. So the neurodevelopment piece is so important. We cannot ignore that when we're talking about how to rewire and repair. It is not just love, but I had a whole other piece, right? And at that time, I actually did not know about the biology piece. And so that is what I have done since then and gone into every training that I needed to put all the pieces together for my son and then for myself after recognizing my own gaps and having my own health issues. And so this has been, this has been my process of how, how I figured out all of this. So coming back to big picture, right? Coming back to big picture here, let's not lose big picture. Neurodevelopment, all of the reflexes, the patterns, the tummy time, the, those things that are completely outside of the relationship itself, plus the relationship, plus the biology. That is what creates your internal degree of regulation. And that is what creates your attachment. Wow, that was a lot. And if you haven't been able to attend one of my masterclasses, I hope that one day you will be able to. I want to summarize what we've gone over in this episode. Section one was moving beyond attachment styles to understand attachment wiring. Section two was on the three components of attachment, and I gave you a definition for attachment. In section three, this last section, it was the adaptations that occur from zero to six months of life and how they show up in one's life. So we looked at the three main components of attachment, the neurodevelopment, the relationship, and the biology, that definition of attachment, the degree of internal regulation that one has coming out of their childhood. We then dove deep into the adaptations and how we can recognize the gaps and injuries from zero to six months of life and how to recognize them in one's life today. Many of you listening and many of the clients or patients that you interact with will have these adaptations. These are everyday experiences that we have as adults. We can still be afraid that if we feel, if we let ourselves feel, we will fall apart. We don't want to breathe deeply into our gut. And these patterns actually have their roots in our early childhood. And when we understand and begin addressing this root cause, we start seeing more progress, more expansion, more healing than we ever knew possible. Until then, we're just dealing with the downstream effects. And, and I want to just remind you that we only covered the attachment adaptations from zero to six months. This is why attachment and neurodevelopment is an entire six week module because we need to look at all the stages of our early life, not just zero to six months. And I need to move to solutions. Yes, there are practical solutions for rewiring overwhelm and trauma that got wired in even at such a young age. I cannot think of one person who this does not apply to as a professional, even in the hospitals, looking at my patients, there were attachment adaptations in their bodies. And so whether you are a professional and needing to recognize attachment adaptations in your patients or clients, or if you are here to help yourself, 
dig into this, lean into this, get curious about this. You can find more information on the biology of trauma courses on my website, traumahealingaccelerated.com. But if you first need to work on helping your body experience regulation, health, and flexibility with its reactions to life and relationships, or maybe you are experiencing health issues as a result of reacting too much or too little in life, come join me for a 21-day journey. Become the expert in knowing your nervous system and knowing how to shift it out of dysregulation to regulation. Let's just keep taking the next best step on our healing journey. I'm your host, Dr. Amy, and I will see you on the next podcast episode. Thank you for joining me today. If you enjoyed today's show, be sure to subscribe. We definitely will learn, laugh, and sometimes cry together on this healing journey, and you won't want to miss an episode. Give my podcast five stars, share it with a friend or colleague. If you felt an impact as it truly helps get the word out and breaking the paradigm of how we do trauma work. I look forward to seeing you back here next week. Until then, this is your host, Dr. Amy, sending you lots of love.